listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 171, interview with Kelly Asbury from Ugly Dolls. Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Robson. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Rotoscopers podcast. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. I am coming back briefly from hiatus. It's been a while. I got a chance to interview Kelly Asbury, the director of Ugly Dolls. Ugly Dolls is a story that follows Moxie, the utterly optimistic ugly doll, voiced by Kelly Clarkson, whose core belief is that there is a doll for every child and a child for every doll. Her dream is to go to the big world and have a child all of her own. This dream takes her and her friends from Uglyville, where differences are celebrated, to the land of perfection where dolls are trained to be perfect before heading into the big world. She meets Lou, voiced by Nick Jonas, who is in charge of the doll's training program. It's really a fun 83 minutes of just like star-studded songs and quips. It's, it's a really fun time. Other stars that are involved include Janelle Monet, Pitbull, Ice-T, Blake Shelton, Wanda Sykes, Gabrielle Iglesias, and many others. It is a full-out musical with original songs by Christopher Leonards and Glenn Slater. Ugly Dolls is now available on Blu-ray, courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. There will be spoilers in this episode, so if you haven't seen the movie, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash uglydolls to get your copy from Amazon today. Yay! For any new listeners, the majority of the episodes that you will find on our back catalog are mostly going to be reviews of animated films from Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. Sometimes we have animation professionals join us, but most of the time it's just a couple of friends sitting back and nerding out on animation. We have a really good time. We have been on hiatus for the last couple of years, and while this is not me saying everything is coming back, I will say it is nice to be back. Kelly Asbury has been all over the industry, having worked at Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and really any, many places in between, which was one of the big reasons why I wanted to take, you know, take a second to ask him a couple questions, because he's just seen everything. He is best known for directing films like Shrek 2, Spirit, Stalin of the Cimarron, and Nomeo and Juliet. In addition to films, Asbury is a noted author and illustrator of several published children's books. For all of you long-time listeners... You know I am obsessed with musicals, and as Ugly Dolls was a musical with all original songs, I really just couldn't pass up the opportunity, and I just wanted to say hi to y'all because you guys are fantastic. I'm going to jump right into this interview. It is a short one, but I'm going to come back afterward, and we're going to have a little chat, okay? All right, let's jump into our interview with Kelly Asbury. Hi, Chelsea. I'm doing great, thanks. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. I like doing these things. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. So we always start out our interviews with a game of what we call catch and fire. Basically, it's a rapid questions 
Um, there are about 16 questions, rapid fire, and then it just kind of a, just kind of see how you are. Basically, the Animation Addicts podcast, we cover uh, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, and like everything in between. Okay. I've followed most of the movies on your career for several years, and so it's a treat to be able to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's play. Sounds fun. Well, then, how about a quick round of Catch and Fire? Catch and fire? You mean me? You're the only one with enough courage. All right, here we go. So, question number one What is the first animated movie you remember seeing? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What is your favorite cartoon growing up? Uh, the Wacky Races. Okay. And. The next one is, what is your favorite animated movie? Dumbo, the original. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. All right, who is your favorite animator or artist? Favorite animator would be Milt Call. Ooh, okay. You know, if you go into Van Gogh and Monet and all those people, but I think my favorite animator is Milt Call, no doubt. Perfect. Classic animation or CGI? Oh, uh... Gosh, depends on the movie. <laughs> um, I think in my heart, classic animation. Okay. Favorite animation studio? Um, wow. Uh, classically, Disney. Okay. Disney or Pixar? <laughs> um, uh, Pixar. Leica or Studio Ghibli? Leica. Do you like songs or no songs? I love songs. Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland. People or anthrop anthropomorphic? People. What is your favorite animated dog? Favorite animated dog is the, uh, well, the Dalmatians and under one Dalmatians. So let's just say Pongo. Okay. Heroes <laughs> or villains? Oh, villains. Summer releases or winter releases? Summer. Who would win in a fight, Frozone or Elsa? Oh, Elsa. Okay. All right. Now here is the most important and final question. Which would you rather watch, The Land Before Time 13? <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even say it without laughing. The Wisdom of Friends <laughs> or Return of Jafar? The the return of Jafar, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you did it. That is Catch and Fire. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast, where we ask the difficult questions. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> awesome. You know, I've been doing a lot of research about, you know, different interviews that you've been putting out on Ugly Dolls. And so I have a couple follow-up questions that I've heard you talk about. I don't know how much time you have, so I feel like I just want to jump in. You said that this was a very short production for you. Extremely short. It was like just over a year? It was just over a year, yeah. Um, it was a record by all means. It was, it was, it, it, no other movie has come close that I worked on that was done so quickly. It's amazing that we got it done. The team that worked on it that got it done, uh, Everyone at Real Effects and, and all the people, everyone at STX, 
we all were behind it, and it just was a matter of just pushing this thing forward and doing everything at the same time. Uh, it, it was it was difficult, but it 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 there was part of it that was kind of nice because it's a, it's a quicker way to see your work up there. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was definitely it was definitely a challenge to do it that quickly. Sounds like a a real race that you had. Race against race. time. <laughs> wacky races. There we go again. For sure. Well, I've heard that you talk about how basically they came to you, they just had the two things. So the one was the opening song and then the ending. But in all of the interviews that you say, you never actually say what part of the ending that you had. And I, so I was always wondering at what point in time did that, what you already have start? The very ending of the film when, well, without giving it away for those who haven't seen it, I already warned that this is this is going to be spoilers, so let's just assume okay, that good. everybody's heard it. <laughs> okay, the very last moment when the character Moxie finally is in the arms of her of her little girl that's supposed to own her, that's supposed to be her partner. Okay. Uh, the the human. Um, when I saw that storyboard, which had been done for another version, I I said, well, there's the ending. No matter what we do, we're going to end with that. Because okay. it was so effective emotionally. So that was what I meant. So every other part of the story was kind of come up on the on the spot when you got there? Um, well, we certainly retooled. We retooled the general structure that they had. We had to retool and simplify and consolidate characters and, and make it a much more, you know, a story that was more easy to follow. It was, it was a lot of stuff going on from a lot of different ideas from different areas. And I think my job mainly was to just find the core story and exploit it. Okay. Um, so it did require a lot of changes. Yeah. So was was like uh, Lou's the character Lou in it the whole time, or Lou was in it, but a very different character, and he was not the central villain in that version. Uh, okay. the, the The version that I came on, Lou was a sort of ancillary character and we we brought him forward as the villain okay well and at what point in time did you say hey nick jonas would play a great villain <laughs> well as we started um you know a storyboard artist david feiss one of our story artists just took it upon himself the song was written and he took it upon himself to sort of draw out the entire sequence and he did a beautiful job and we just were looking at it and going you know this is very you know, sort of pop, sort of like he should be, he should be a teen idol type. He should be someone that people are screaming to see. And that was really how we arrived at Nick Jonas. And I'm so happy Nick decided to do it because um, it really, I mean, he really brought something to it that we wouldn't have been able to have without his vocals. I mean, he, he really did get the character and he really did deliver something special, I think. Well, what were the key elements of the story that fell into place the quickest once you started revamping everything? Well, the, the quickest thing was, okay, we've got this group of characters and we have, we decided Moxie will be the central character and it is going, you know, I think the general idea was, look, to some degree, this is going to be a Wizard of Oz type journey where there's a girl that has a dream for something and she wants something, it's unattainable and she has friends that help her get there and when they get there it's not what they thought it was and they end up learning a lot more than they expect so it was always that was really the building blocks that we 
we drew from keeping in mind, you know, everything I just said. It was, it was just very much trying to keep a, a clean follow-through story. Yeah. Okay. Was the whole team uh, that worked with you in place before you got there, or did you bring on everyone? Um, the team. No, there was no team. <laughs> there oh, was a producer, okay. my producer, and then we had to gather the editorial department, and we had a head of the story. And we had story artists all over the world, literally. And that was um, something that was in place. But, but before then, um, we were we were sort of uh, uh, having to just start from scratch and get a whole team together, which was a lot to do. Was there a central location that everybody was at, or did you do most of this remotely? Well, we were in the production team, and the pre-production team was stationed in Burbank. We had the place who was actually doing the production as far as animation and rendering and all the, all the actual artistic work was being done in Dallas and Montreal. And we also had a, a company called Original Force in China who did a little pinch hitting for us for some sequences. So we were a worldwide global com- company. Yeah. Um, we, had, we had story artists as far away as the Netherlands. I had one guy that was in Iowa. <laughs> Uh, one guy in Vermont. So it was a lot of remote work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, it was very exciting. And it, it actually was, uh, everyone was able to sort of concentrate on their own things. And that might have helped speed things up as well. There wasn't much distraction. Uh, they were all isolated by themselves. Which can be really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as far as the music goes, I mean, in other interviews, I've heard you talk about that you wanted to take inspiration from classic movie musicals like Singing in the Rain and An American in Paris. So how have musicals influenced your creative expression? Um, Well, you know, I think that music is a great way to tell a story and let a character sort of talk about their inner life in a way that's believable and that you buy. Mm -hmm. I don't like um, I don't like a lot of dialogue. Yeah. In movies where characters are talking about themselves and how they feel, because I just don't, I never believe it because people don't do that. <laughs> right. And, and so a, a song is able to um, express those things and take you into the character's mind and into their head a little bit in a way that I think is a, is a tried and true kind of way to, to get that information across without, um, without it seeming, you know, even though it's people bursting into song. For some reason, it's it's more viable than someone just suddenly talking about themselves in a long monologue. Right. Um, so, plus animation is just so perfectly tuned for musicals and, and all the activities that can go on on screen that it's just it just works really well in the animation form. I think that people listen more to what's being sung than they do to what's being said. I agree. Um, I've noticed that I was looking at through all of your work and like, it just seems specifically you started at Disney uh, before the Renaissance kind of hit. And so you were there for most of that, right? Right. I was there, you know, one of the privileges of my career is I was one of the first artists working on Little Mermaid in the very early stages. And in the room right next door, Howard Ashman and Alan Lincoln were writing the songs. That's amazing. So I got to hear Little Mermaid. I got to hear Little Mermaid being built musically, and that really influenced us as artists, and it was really a great experience. So I think that kind of stuck to my ribs, and I, I learned way back then the power of, of the musical. Right. That's amazing. So I was going through, and I see, I mean, you worked everywhere, 
And so I just wanted to know, like you've seen so many shifts in the industry, technology, and through the different corporations that you've worked with. And I just wanted to know, what do you see for the animation industry in the future? I think we're going to see a big change very quickly. I think streaming and all of the streaming platforms are going to play a huge role in the future of animation, uh, more so than theaters. Uh, part of me is very sorry to say that, but I also think it's opening up a whole new exciting opportunity. Um, I think we're going to see some long-form television series done in animation. Um, so there's some real exciting things happening, and I think more adult subject matter is going to be able to be used. So it's, it's going to change a lot of things very quickly. Can I ask one last question? Sure. You talked about Howard Ashman, and there's several interviews with him where he's talked about the I Want song. And I just wanted to know, what is your I Want song? What is my I Want song? I want... Your personal mission. <laughs> well, as, a, as an artist, I want to make movies that uh, entertain people and change their lives just a little bit, like a good movie should. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate coming on and chatting with you today. Thank you so much. I was happy to do it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't try to change a thing. Well, there you have it. That was my interview with Kelly Asbury, and I'm so glad to be able to join you guys back here at the Animation Addicts podcast. I wanted to give you guys a little just heads up on what's been going on. It's been uh, about two and a half years since we've done any type of podcast, and so for anybody that's come back to listen, I'm like, man, you are awesome. Cool points to you for joining me today. So first off, Mason has been doing a great job out in Texas. He has been working in the game development space. And so he's been doing a great job out there. And then Morgan, she has some brand new stuff coming out. She's going to be starting several new projects up soon. Make sure to go follow her on Instagram to be up on the news of what's going on there. Uh, she's really excited about what's going on. And I'm really excited to see what she's got going on as well. And then myself, I have been doing great. I've just released a new single that honestly, I wish I would have released about three years ago to be able to put in this movie because <laughs> it would have gone great. It's called You Are Beautiful and I'm going to be doing several different shows throughout the country over the next six months. So I would love for you guys to check out my Instagram, check out my website and bonus cool points if you can find my secret content because that's a thing. And I'm just really excited to be able to share all of these things. So thank you to the Rotoscopers fans for always being there. We have received so many emails and voicemails still, just people who are just complete supporters of what we've been doing. And we just wanted to say thanks because we have had so many wonderful memories with you guys. And so it's fun to be able to jump back on here and to be able to talk to you guys and just see what's up. We even keep receiving ratings and reviews on Stitcher as well as iTunes. And I just wanted to share a couple thank yous to uh, Leslie Loves Vampires. She says that this is all around fun and she listens while she's running cross country. So thank you to her. We also have MLP Twilight Owl. 
says that she loves the My Little Pony stuff, and we're glad to have you there. We have Luke Pasca, and says you don't have to love animation to love this podcast. Thank you. And then another from KSMRGL says, happy accident, came across this podcast yesterday, and I'm completely hooked. We also have Ambrosius Avalanius. They say it's a great podcast on art and business of animation. And then my personal favorite from Liddy Animator says, it's lit. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. We're so glad to have you guys. And we do hope that you keep listening because we will have some more one-off episodes coming up in the near future. And we are very excited about those. All right. Until next time, this is Chelsea Robson, and you are listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast. Podcast.